Welcome to the Michigan Bowhunters Podcast, the voice of Michigan's hunting archer. Now here's your host, Bill Hoffman. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Michigan Bowhunters Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Hoffman, and this week is a very different kind of podcast. First of all, I'm going to tell you right now, all of this episode, other than what I'm doing right now, was recorded out in the field inside the presentation, the tea building, if you will, at the Michigan Bowhunters Rendezvous here in 2023. It was such a blast. I just got home. I got unpacked. I kissed the wife. I said, I have to jump into the studio and record my thoughts. So if you listened to the last couple episodes, I said I was only going to be able to make it to the rendezvous on Sunday. Boy, am I glad that plans changed for me. I was able to move a few things around and get there Friday night. We had a blast. I took my son Hunter. He made friends right away. Had a total, just a time of his life running around with all the kids. I got to see so many of my MBH friends and family. The people that you've heard here on this podcast a bunch. Including the people that you're going to hear in the rest of this episode. Uh, I had um, the vice president of MBH, <laughs> Lance. He uh, he bunked up with us. I had an extra room, a bed in my camper. And I said, don't bring your tent. And i tell you what, I'm glad he didn't. Because, boy, did it ever rain all day Saturday. And even though it rained, we still, still had a great time at the rendezvous. But uh, I could wax poetically or or speak with poetic license about what a good time it was and how much you missed out on and all the things that happened, but I'm just a little overwhelmed. I'm a little overwhelmed by the awesomeness that is our organization, that is the Michigan Bowhunters Association. So so many of you had nice things to say about the podcast, and I really appreciate that. Got some really good feedback and talked to people. It's, It's nice to put a a face to the listenership, you know, to actually talk to the people that are enjoying the work that goes into a show like this, because it is a lot of work. <laughs> no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So with with that being said, I just want to go ahead and um, thank you all for listening. And just to remind you, the audio on this episode is a little different. And the reason it's a little different is because half of the interviews were recorded outside of my camper at our campsite, sitting by the campfire, if you will. And the other half of these were recorded in a very noisy building. And it wasn't only noisy because of the hub of activity, because it is the hub of activity. It's where, uh, you know, the membership booth was and the raffle items were and people setting up for the different events and the vendors tents were all in there and the merchandise tent for MBH was all in there. It wasn't only noisy because of all that. It was noisy because it was absolutely pouring hardcore rain and we were in a barn. The T, I say building, it's a barn. And uh, this is at the county fairgrounds there in Harrison, Clare County. And it's they have livestock stuff and 4-H stuff there. So it worked out great for us, but it is what it is. So uh, bear with some of the audio on this episode because the messages 
and the stories that these MBH members tell are breathtaking. They're really great stories, and please just give them your ear because they were brave enough to sit down with me and talk about why MBH is important to them. So I've talked enough. I've had a great weekend. Hunter said so many times, thanks, Dad, for bringing me here. The courses were fantastic, both the 3D course and the Fred Bear Memorial Broadhead course. I've said this multiple times. I will never miss another rendezvous. It was that much fun. Thank you, everybody. And we're just going to hop right in to the uh, the first interview right here. I believe it is Frank Ottman, and who is our current uh, affiliate club coordinator. Thanks again, everyone. And I can't wait to see you at the next MBH event. And we're still here at the rendezvous. I got my next victim. <laughs> if you'd be so kind, sir, go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone. Uh, I'm Frank Altman. And Frank has a very important job here with Michigan Bowhunters. You are the? I'm the affiliate club, uh, I don't know if it's director or coordinator. Coordinator, I believe. Yeah, I believe. So uh, it's, what I, it's what I refer to. That's right. Of course, you took the job over from our friend Lance. That's correct. You know, and uh, how did you get roped into this? <laughs> Uh, well, I've known Gary Summers and uh, Bob Jones for quite a while and shot with them over time. Right. Uh, and I'm the treasurer of, our, of a local club I belong to. And they approached me to run for District 5 governor. Okay. Um, I did not get elected to that position, but since Lance moved up as to a VP position. Oh, that made total sense, yeah. They, they asked me if I would take that position, and I oh. did. Oh, I was actually at that meeting when they kind of were throwing that around. Yes. I just didn't know all the players in the game. <laughs> That's what it was, Frank. <laughs> so uh, are you enjoying the role? It's. You can say no. I won't no, tell it, anyone. No, it hasn't. It's, Lance had a very well-organized <laughs> beginning right. of the year. Totally agree. Yep. Uh, so I'm kind of stepping into it slowly. Uh, it hasn't been bad. Uh, there's a couple of outstanding issues. I shouldn't say issues. Communications that right. we need to we need to correct, but I mean other than that, yeah, it's been fine. Well, I can tell you on my end since I also do the website for Michigan Bow Hunters, I appreciate you and when you send me the thing, <laughs> the the file you send me always opens. I'm not slamming Lance or anything, <laughs> but I say the file always opens. It's easy to get onto the website. It's up to date, and uh, I really appreciate that. Oh, good. Glad, glad it's working out for you. So uh, how many rendezvous, if, if you could guess, how many rendezvous do you think you've been to? Oh, how many have there been since 94? Uh, enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think I missed one or two in there, but I mean it's. Uh, okay. I so, started coming up with some members of the. They're again the local archery club I belong to, and right. we start coming up here, and then they moved around for a while, and I went to a few of those, but there are a few I missed. So it's definitely been a yearly thing for you and your family. It's yeah, it's yeah, it has been. What is uh what is your one of your favorite things about the rendezvous? Is it the shooting? Is it the campfires? Is it the camaraderie? Can I say yes? <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. You absolutely uh, can. I enjoy. I, mean, I enjoy shooting any any time. So, but uh, I definitely enjoy the camaraderie. Yeah, uh, so. I, I I'm learning that aspect of it as well myself. That it's really becoming more about the who and not the what. Yes, I really agree. And at, at, we got a, a live update for you. 
as we're speaking, the man, the myth, the legend is is starting to, to head over this way, Mr. Jerry Keck. He's uh he he got about six feet away. Oh, right, yeah, anywhere. I'll I'll move the microphone for him. Wherever it needs to be, yeah, we can move the microphone. But uh not that I'm gonna here you go, Jerry, have a seat. Not that I'm gonna kick kick you right off, but uh, no, you're getting upstaged here, Frank. <laughs> that's a, that's all right. Jerry's got a lot better stories than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love it. So again, I want to thank you for the work you, you do as the affiliate club coordinator. That is a mouthful, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's it's a very important job. And for anyone listening to this, if you're part of a club that is an affiliate club. Or, or better yet, if you're part of a club that's not an affiliate club, make sure you go over to our website and all the uh, information is there. You can get a hold of Frank and he'll get you registered and set up. It's a really good program to be uh, part of. Uh, no downside. It's no. For clubs, it's super affordable and the benefits they get are absolutely fantastic. So I know it's a lot of work, but I want to say thank you for doing it. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Appreciate it, sir. Okay. All right. And we got another, I'd like to say, segment here. But as I'm doing this podcast, uh, people are just walking up to the campsite. Again, we're here at the MBH Rendezvous in Harrison, Michigan. If you'd be so kind, go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. Hi, Tom Gay. And Tom was telling me something pretty interesting. This is your first rendezvous in quite a few years, right? Yes. So when was the last time do you think you attended the rendezvous? I think it was 96, but... I'm not sure. Now. It was here, whatever, wherever, whatever year it was, it was here. Though. Here at the Clare County Fairgrounds? Yeah. So this is my first um, rendezvous. I, here's the thing. Uh, I think that I've been to a few rendezvous when my own club hosted them, but it would have been back in the 90s, you know. Um, yeah. So, But I've also I've been to the 3D, um, the Archer Challenge, the Triple Crown, and the Fred Bear because we hosted those. Yeah. As well at Lando Lakes Bowman. So where are you from? What district are you in? Uh, district 6. Okay. So and that's where, like, uh, Lapeer area? Yes. Yeah. Is, is that where you're from? Uh, just north of Lapeer, yeah. <laughs> okay, I pulled that one out of my butt. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good <laughs> guess, right? There you go. So how many years do you think you've been involved with the Michigan Bowhunters? Well, involved with them a lot, a number of years. Um, my father-in-law is Jerry Keck. Oh, okay. And we we make many jokes at his expense. Yeah, there you go. On this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, as far as being involved, Mission Bull Hunters a lot. Right. Obviously, and, anybody it's in the Keck family line. Tria, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So, um, so what made this year? What made this year different? That you decided to uh, come out. I just want to be more involved with it. Excellent. Um, my wife's. Well, my wife. You know, Jerry's daughter. Right. She's over the wine tasting yeah. thing right now. Yeah, so all the ladies, for those yes. of you that don't know, are over at the wine tasting event. And I think they do some raffles and some different stuff over there. Yeah, it must have been because she said come back to get some money out of the car. So. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so uh, we uh, all the gentlemen are out at all the campsites, and uh, everyone's pretty much had dinner at this point. Yep. And uh, the fires are starting to get lit, and... Pretty soon, some stories are going to get told. And I heard this year, up to 30% of them may be true. That much. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's right. So what kind of uh, what kind of bow hunting do you like to do? Are you a compound guy, a traditional guy, a little bit of everything? Um, 
Recurve. Recurve? Okay. Uh, that, that's all I hunt with is a recurve. I hunt with a bear. Okay. Um, it, uh, 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 gr- like a grayling bear? Or does it not matter to you? It's a grizzly. It's, it's a from grizzly? grayling. From grayling, okay. I know uh, some, some of those guys, they say, if it wasn't made in Michigan, I'm not hunting. You know, the, some of those bear guys. I like the bull I've got. Yeah. Um, I'm 72 years old, and it's the 52-pound. I'm probably going to go down to a little bit less. I say you're doing pretty damn good at, 50, at 52 pounds at your age. Yeah. Um, uh I'm still working. I mean, right? I'm waiting for my wife to retire next year, so ah, then okay. we can then retire together. She's younger than I am, so all right. Raise hell and put a prop under it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, you might have a couple bottles of wine after tonight to celebrate that retirement. Wife. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So, uh, any big plans this year, hunting-wise? Do you do you mostly hunt just in Michigan? Do you do any traveling at all? No, just in Michigan. I'm kind of that way too. I um, I would like to take and start bow hunting or bear hunting with a bow Mm -hmm. um but that's gonna be after she retires probably so she can travel with me ah okay Uh, she says she doesn't want to bow hunt for bear well she doesn't want to bear hunt at all but something i would like to do i'd like to kill a bear Um, that'd be pretty cool to kill a bear with a bear bow there you go. I think that's about it. Well, awesome. Well, we're running up on that five minutes. I promised I wouldn't hold you any more <laughs> longer than that. All right. But I really do appreciate you swinging by to uh, help record this episode live from the rendezvous. Um, are you staying around all weekend? Yes. All right. Yeah. And we got a lot of events that are going on this weekend. One thing that's pretty cool is I'm also doing a video of the entire weekend with clips and stuff. So um, people that aren't here, they can still kind of watch that. And well, the, not, I'd like to say that they'll, they'll know what to expect next year, but also kind of want to rub it in their face that we had this much fun without them. <laughs> Does that make sense? All right. All right. Good. Hey, uh, thank you very much, and good luck, and have a safe bow hunting season, sir. Yes. All you right. too. Thank you. So we're here now inside the T building. I have another guest here on the Michigan Rendezvous episode of the Bowhunters podcast, Mr. Cliff Free, right? Like, right? I got it right, right, Cliff? So, Cliff, I don't know that we've ever met in person, have we? Uh, well, I've seen you down there at the uh, banquet. You know, at, I, yeah. Yeah, I think one time. Maybe. Either a Michigan Bowhunters banquet or Orlando, no, Lake, or Orlando Lakes Bowman banquet? Okay. Excellent. I used to make all the... Uh, Michigan Bowhunter Banquets, yep. too. But I joined in 1967 and life member of uh, Michigan Bowhunters and also a life member of Land Lakes Archery. Yeah. Wow. 1967. What a, what a different world. Oh, my goodness. Even the world has run off the left me. <laughs> Even when we think about the world being different, archery right. oh, is, yeah. is different, isn't it? Yeah. So let me think. In 1967, there was no traditional archery because traditional archery was just archery, right? Right. Yeah. So that's all I still know. That's it. So you're still a traditional bow hunter? Yeah. Or archery? Yeah. So are you a recurve, longbow, self-bow? What do you like well, to shoot? Well, I started out with recurves uh, in the 60s. Yeah. And uh, James Vanover, he started making longbows, so I switched to a longbow. The JB Outback. JB Outback, yes. They ain't any good. <laughs> no, I'm teasing, James. <laughs> I'm teasing. 
Yeah, they're they're good bows. They are excellent bows, obviously. Yeah. So you're here at the rendezvous. Have you? Has this been an event that you try to go to every year? Um, most every year. I used to really come up here when we'd have twenty thousand people. You know, that many. Oh yes. I mean, this place would be packed. Wow, I can't even imagine that. And you'd have all those boyers coming in, like Fred Asbell and all those big guys coming in. There, it used to be a good economic, probably oh, show for them. Yeah, as well, well for right? the whole whole city of Harrison, you know, just booming. Oh wow! Well, we're trying to get back to that level. <laughs> we sure. Have you ever dabbled in making any bows or anything no, yourself? Or never have. I don't see that in my future either. <laughs> I don't see myself. I wouldn't have the patience, I don't think. Uh, I, I enjoy going over and watching James work on bows. Right. Know? And, of course, you know what he builds. Oh, yeah, definitely. All the stuff he's helped me over the years. Um, he makes all my strings. Okay, yeah. I've always shot Well, we was just down to Jay's down the road at Claire. Yeah. And then they're talking, and, you know, he, he used to build all their traditional strings for both both, uh, okay. The one up at Gaylord and the one here. Yeah. Yeah, and I think James, if I think he used to make all the strings for Pitsley for the Predators. And uh, okay, I, 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 I think he did, and I know uh, Jay's was one of oh, yeah. Pitsley's biggest vendors. You know, they sold a lot of bows. Well, there, he so. built thousands of strings for them. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure over the years. Are you still uh, you still find yourself time to, to get out hunting nowadays? I think I got out last fall 16 times for uh, deer. Okay. And then this spring, I, I got out six times for turkey. I got a turkey last spring. With your bow? No, I uh, used a 410. <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Cliff, you know, there's a lot of people in this room that might disagree with me. But I say, I say this all the time. I say the good Lord put turkeys on this planet to be shot in the face with with a shotgun. Uh, I, you, I mean, I have got the uh, yeah. grand slam. You know, I've, I've okay. got the with a bow. Well, uh-huh. I've got a nice time with a bow. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I've shot four or five with a bow, but that was the biggest one. That was the biggest one, yeah. So this is my son, Hunter, next to us. He's a big turkey hunter. Hi, Hunter. Really? Yep. Good he, deal. He's uh, He got a turkey, not last, not this year. Yeah, last year he got his first turkey. Okay. And then his older sister, she got her first turkey with a bow. Really? When she was 10. Now you got yours with a bow also? No, I got mine with a gun. Okay. Yeah, with a shotgun. So um, his sister's a little bit bigger frame than him and okay. was pulling a little bit more weight. But uh, when she was 10, she shot that turkey, 27-pound bow. The 175 grain cut on contact, and that arrow was zipped right through it. I was not expecting that. And I zipped right through it, and that thing just went boop, 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 and it just laid down. Well, so, we can go back to the, uh, some of the uh, older members of Biscuit Bowler. Hewitt and Liz Gall, I don't know if you've heard those names. I, I don't, but. You know, uh, back in the 60s and 70s. There'll so be plenty, very of, active. plenty of people listening to this that will know those names, yeah. so don't hesitate to bring them up. But, well, excellent. I thank you for uh, coming out. Are you going to try to shoot the courses at all today? No. Or? no. It's it's a rainy mess out there. Not in the rain. Yeah. I, I was telling people that. Uh, My legs are just shot. Are they? Okay. I have to use a stick to get help help me get around. Well. But well, I do shoot a lot at home. Yeah. Know, in the yard. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got quite a few days out in the field this year. I'm a busy man. 
And uh, I don't know that I hunted for deer 16 times. So uh, Well, I just go in the afternoons. I don't, I don't do that early stuff. Nothing wrong with that. And I, I'm guessing you're not your, your days are done climbing in trees or no? Yes. Yeah. Doctor or my daughter, I, I, I lost my wife five years, almost six years ago. Okay. And uh, I needed your help to help with her mom, you know. And, right. Uh, they taught me to sell in our house and moving in with them. But we was only there about six months and she passed. And now they won't let me get in the trees. No. They, they had to come to Jesus talk with you. They said, right. you're not climbing no and more hey, trees. The good Lord knows what's good for you. And having good kids to keep you out of trees. Amen to that. Well, again, it was a pleasure to actually sit down with you. Thank you for doing this. And uh, many more blessed and safe years of bow hunting. Thank you. Good Lord's good. I'll Thank tell you, sir. You. Amen. Appreciate you. Appreciate you guys yes. and all you do. I know you, you keep busy in all this, all the bow hunting stuff. I'm always busy. There's always something, and, right? And you appreciate it, too. I'll tell you. I thank you, sir. And I got my next victim. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. You know, some of the people I've interviewed for this rendezvous special edition of the MBH podcast, It's it's been somewhat... The first time I've met them, for, for a few of them. Now, a lot of the names I'm familiar with, of course. But you, you're an old friend. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't recognize that laugh, it's the one, the only Mr. Brian, the bread man carpenter. <laughs> How you doing, sir? Good, Billy. Good. Yeah, everything sounds good on my end. So, uh, basically, what I've been doing with this episode is I've just been um, kind of going back and forth with people about why the organization is important to them, um, a little bit of their history and attending rendezvous and stuff like that, and then obviously we got to talk to you about the bread, <laughs> right? So, um, first of all, how did you get involved with Michigan Bow Hunters? Uh, they were the, the the first group I joined was the MLA, and I I joined that in 1992. Okay. And probably that same year, I then joined MBH because. District 4 was where I was at, and we kind of, all the people in District 4, this is what we did, and so I kind of started camping with them and stuff, and um, I joined probably soon after 92 or 93. So Wow. So, yeah. let's see, in 92, I was 12 years old. That makes you feel old. Okay. That's I am? I am old. <laughs> you ain't that old. <laughs> I talked old yesterday. <laughs> I know old. Nah, I'm, te- I'm teasing, of course. So um, when, it, when it comes to bow hunting, um, is there any other types of outdoor activities that you do that you enjoy? Or? Uh, I enjoy gun hunting. Yep. I enjoy bow hunting. Um, yeah, walking and stuff like that, but just being outside. And uh, that's about, those are my two passions. Excellent. Yeah. Yep. And obviously this group aligns with, I mean, obviously not the gun hunting thing, but uh, there's plenty of gun hunters in this room. Well, you know, years ago, District 4, we used to go on like one or two hunts in the fall. Okay. So they would set them up on state land, and then we would all, we'd have the dates. Mm-hmm. And if you could make it and bring your camper or bring whatever. And so sometimes you had five guys, sometimes you might add ten guys. But District 4, that's what we kind of did in the fall. And it was kind of neat just to be in a bow camp with a lot of different individuals. That's one thing that's kind of been ringing through with everyone I talk to. Okay. We all understand mbh's role in the political process and being the voice of michigan's hunting archer 
But what's kind of lost on people when they're just at an event or signing up is they don't realize the camaraderie mm-hmm. and, and the lifelong friendships. The family. And You're the, building a family. The, the, the family <laughs> building that this organization absolutely does. Yep. And it's life's better when you spend it with like-minded individuals. Agreed. It, Agreed. it really is. Yep. Like, you know, there uh, there's not a lot of debates here. No. You know, because a lot of people think in the same way and agreeing with you. So uh, everybody's on the same page when you come to these kind of events. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We might. As, let's say I'm gonna. I'm literary minded, right? It, it's a curse. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say everyone's on in the same book. We're yep. not always on the same page. No, but we're in the same book. Yeah, because James Vanover is in there. We're in different chapters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I love James. But, but everybody's got the same love, basically. Absolutely. It boils down to, yep. Yep, the love, the passion, the the dedication for this. So um, when it comes to the rendezvous, is this is a big event, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, have you been to quite a few of them over you the know, years? They said it was huge in like the 80s. Late 70s and stuff, and I wasn't at them at that time of my life. So So I just talked to Cliff Free, and he was telling me thousands of people. all This building would be full of the uh, The vendors. would be vendors. would fill this whole building. I'd like to get to about half that back. Yeah. I don't want it to be so big that it's hard to get a camping spot. (laughs) When When I started, they were in Gladwin. Okay. Um, it seemed to me like it was over by the airport or something. That's just down the road from here, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I think. I might have the city wrong, but then they would bus shuttle you to like the 3Ds. Oh, wow. So it wasn't like, you know, it was, Everything was so yeah, condensed. It was a big open camping area and stuff. And if I remember right, I think that was glad when I might have it wrong, but. Huh. And like I said, District 4, we'd have 20, 30, 40 people in camp and. Your family just, would be here. Yeah, we just kind of all camped in a, you know, we ate together. We right. did everything together, you know. That's really cool. So where is District 4 for people uh, that are District familiar? 4 would be Kent County. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think the other counties, but it's Grand Rapids right. uh, and surrounding areas that way. Excellent. Uh, Hunter was asking me yesterday, he said, what district are we in? I said, well, we live in five, but the club, which is three miles from my house, is in six. So I usually go five and a half. Yep. I'm in district five and a half because <laughs> I do so much work in both, for, for both districts. But. You know what's nice is in the in the newsletter they've got the state and they've got it broke down. Yeah, there's yeah. a page where they can you can find out what district you're yeah. in. Yeah, yep. It's in the newsletter. It's also on the website too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There, there's the the state map there, and it on the website. I the guy that designed the website and did it for us. Uh, spoiler alert, that's me. Uh, <laughs> also listed all the counties. Yes, w- yes. W- along with the map. So you, you can look it up that way, too. So, um, all right. Let's talk about bread. Well, let's talk about bread. Let's talk about bread. <laughs> so for those of you that aren't aware, it's not just a Michigan Bowhunters thing. No. It's a, it's a Land O'Lakes Bowman thing. It's a MLA thing. It's, it's a, a family it's thing. A I mean, family my whole thing. family. And I so, keep my mother and my sister and inbred. So, and, and you, how did the, so, the baking and the making of bread, how did this start? All right, so here's the history. And I want to hear the failures, too. Oh, you know. All right, so first it started, there's a magazine out, and it's been out for years. It's called Reminisce. Okay. And it's all about 20s, the 30s, the 40s, stuff your grandma, stuff your great-grandma grew up with. Okay. And my my grandmother on my mom's side started making this bread in like the early 80s 
And I thought, wow, I just thought, oh, that'd be, it's not a hard recipe to make and stuff. So 82, 85, I thought, oh, I'll start making that. So I started making it just for family and stuff. And then it, I don't know, it just got to the point 20 years ago or whatever. I don't know how long for, but we'd go to banquets and stuff and people would bring auction items. And I thought, oh, bread's kind of different. It'd be kind of a nice item to bring and it's let like, people bid on it. Yeah, or for sure. It's like, me, raffle. it's like me bringing books that I've written. Yeah, you know, yeah, just kind of like, your it, thing. It's my thing, right, yeah. So I just ended up making breads and I've always brought them in for I don't know how many years now, but people enjoy it. And now I've got a following like you do with your books. And uh, yeah. it's just a thing that people like, and I like to share that. So I just share that aspect, you know. Uh, I know they're usually highly coveted when it comes to the <laughs> raffles and the, the auctions and all that. So what kind of bread is it? This is English muffin bread. It uh, Basically, the recipe is pretty easy. It's five cups flour. It's uh, two cups warm milk. People are going to hear this. You're okay well, with that? Fine. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Originally, it was like, oh, I can't let people right, know right, this. Right, but right. It, I think we even posted it in the MLA one time, the whole oh, recipe. Really? Okay, so yeah. five cups of flour. Yeah. Five cups of flour, uh, 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 a quarter teaspoon, I might not have these exact, of salt, a tablespoon of sugar, two teaspoons of, oh, I'm sorry, the quarter teaspoon was the baking soda. Mm-hmm. Two teaspoons of salt. This sounds a lot like a guy yeah. that really wants to give away the correct yeah. well, recipe. Well, no, it's, no you know. <laughs> so it's basically yeah. it's you know it's a real simple recipe, and right. then and then it makes two loaves. Okay, and it's warm milk and warm water, and then you let it raise for forty-five minutes. Two loaves of bread. You cut it. You cover it, and it raises for forty-five mm-hmm. minutes covered. And then you put it in the oven at three seventy-five, and half an hour later, you got bread. You got bread. <laughs> and what is the uh, the outside? Um, Coating. Oh, so is that cornmeal? Yeah. So when you when you're mixing the liquid stuff in the beginning, you beat it on high for two, two minutes, and that's what makes it porous. Okay. So a lot of times, a standing mixer like a KitchenAid or a standing is better because then you can just mix it on high. You don't okay. want to throw it out of the bowl. But and then on the outside, I dust the inside of the pan and the outside of the bread before I bake it with cornmeal. It is cornmeal. Yeah, okay. yellow cornmeal. It's the one from like Quaker. It's the one I okay. use. It's in a round. Yep. The, Any kind of cornmeal will work yellow, and that's in the recipe. So, yeah. But you can coat it with whatever. You know. So when you make a batch of bread, how many loaves do you think you're making at a time usually? Uh, this past week I made six. Okay. Uh, I've made as much as te- 12 loaves in a sitting. Uh, but I'd say on an average, when we had the... When I had the MBH banquet, I think I brought in eight to nine loaves. Okay. I did the same at the MLA in February. So, you know, I... You know, and, and they'll put like two or three on the bag raffle. They might auction one, might be a silent auction. Right, different ways. Just different know. ways, just to. There's been, you know, they've made some money. So let's talk about that. Okay, real quick. Gonna, <laughs> let's you, you know some. <laughs> what, what is the highest amount that a, that you know of that I a have, loaf of bread has gone for? So I have a person, but I will hold his name. No, that's fine. <laughs> we'll talk to him and ask him. He about paid. It he paid three hundred dollars for a loaf of bread. Good for him. You well, know. yeah, that's what As I mean. he, And when it comes down to it, it's all donations. You know, and it's all donations back to the archery organizations right. or whatever, you know. So it's it's just like if you, any kind of a bid. Yeah. You just, if you want to make money for him, right. you do what you can do. You but it, your bread is routinely over $100, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but but sometimes like here at this event, they'll put it up at a bag raffle and say, say they that's get. That's true. Yeah, say they get $40 for a loaf. 
they might say, hey, you know, the second loaf, if you want to pay the same amount. So okay. not all the time is it that kind of money. Right. It just depends on the crowd and, you know. But it, and, yeah, it and who the particular auctioneer is. There you go. Yep. Because <laughs> we both know uh, our good friend Ken Skolik for years and years has been the auctioneer, you know, bread salesman. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, and, he's, and he's bought a number of loaves for $100. Has he himself. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because so, that's the kind of person he was, you know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, wrapping this up, I want to thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, Bill. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, you know, it's uh, looking like it's nope. It's still raining. And there's four loaves for the table tonight. Four loaves. All right. Well, auction or bag, whatever. And uh, oh, I one, one last question. Sure. What's your favorite way to eat your bread? My favorite way is toast. Okay. Peanut butter and strawberry jam. Nothing wrong with that right there, brother. Right there, baby. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you very <laughs> oh, much. Oh, yeah. And some people enjoy making homemade French toast that's what with I, it. That's what I did with okay. it, with the yep. one you gave me. Yep. Yep, is I, I made French toast. Well, I think we... Or split it. I think we split yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenny would make French toast a that lot. That was his thing. Yeah, that yeah. was his deal. But uh, it's, it's delicious, and I hope to be going home with one. There you go. And I plan to not have it. By the time I get home, because I know what happens when the ladies get a hold of it. There you go. It all changes. Yeah, this is a boys' weekend, and the boys want bread. There you go. All right. Thank you, sir. Yep, you're welcome, Bill. All right. Back with another victim. (laughs) Glad to be here, Billy. (laughs) I got the man, the myth, the legend, a good friend of mine. We've been knowing each other for... The better part of 15 years, Mr. James Vanover. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fine, thank you. Thank you as well for uh, agreeing. I had to twist your arm a little bit. Yes, you did. But it's important to have things like this for me. Uh, And I'll I'll tell you right now, and I'm not going to be emotional about it, nothing like that. But, damn, I wish I had interviewed Ken before he passed. You know, and so... That's kind of been my goal, is to meet the people in my life and interview them, young and old, experienced and brand new bow hunters, just to to document and secure a legacy. And Mr. Vanover, you have quite the legacy. <laughs> Thank you for that. You, you absolutely do. So we're going to get into the legacy and what you've left behind and all the work that you've done over the years, but what I want to ask you to start with. Uh, is, uh, why archery? How did archery start for you? Well, archery started for me in about late 50s, 58, 59. I started with a hand-me-down hickory bow, and I've stuck with bows ever since. I got away from them for a little while. I went through the compound stages, and I came back to traditional in the early 90s. Uh, I'm currently still with traditional uh, had some health problems and shoot the compound and longbows, also recurves. Uh, I extended my hobby into making bows, uh, strings, and anything to do with archery. Uh, I tend to make part of it. Yeah, I know all my traditional bows that I own have James strings on them. <laughs> well, uh, I, en- I enjoy archery. It's a good pastime. Uh, the, you meet a, a, a ton of good people, and everybody's got something in common. The, you share your stories and your hunting stories, uh, anything to do with archery. You never run out of things to talk about. Yeah, and that's what I'm finding in recording these conversations. 
everyone's got bow hunt stories. Everyone's got archery stories. Everyone's got stories about you know how they started or hunts they went on or, or special friends they've made over the years. How long would you... So that hickory bow that you said, was that a long bow? It was a long bow, uh, 40 pounds. Okay. And, and shot cedar arrows, and we broke them. I broke break them till they were so short you couldn't shoot them anymore you just kept putting <laughs> just kept putting the tip back on so they started at 34s and worked their way down you to 20 way down you never you always cut them when you break them and read so that is nice and they 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 do break they do break <laughs> but uh that's excellent so you you kind of teased it a little bit but uh you know there's plenty of uh the, the story about the jv outback longbow that i currently make uh when I retired from General Motors, uh, I got into the making of bows, and I would get friends call from the shop, and my wife said he's out back making a bow, so the JV Outback kind of stuck. Uh, oh, because you're out back. And- I'm out back making a bow, and my initials is JV. James, I obviously I've never heard this story. <laughs> that is so but, but, uh, hilarious and cheeky. I love it. But. The story is I make them for friends. I'm not in the business. Right. Uh, and and they work, people that use them, mm-hmm. target practice, hunt. Uh, they shoot good and they work better. Nice. Now, you do you make recurves and? Recurves and longbows. And longbows. And, and my hobby started out making strings because back in the early 90s, it was hard to buy a string the custom-made strings, so I developed that, and uh, I'm making strings that goes all over the United States and Canada now, uh, by word of mouth. No business, just word of mouth. Now, earlier, I may have misspoke, so I wanted to ask you. It was not. It was in a previous interview. Did you make the strings for the Pitsley bows for all the Predators? I, I, for uh, five or six years, okay. I made uh, bows for the strings for the Pitsley bows. I figured you did. Until he went to Dart and then... Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, so when it comes to shooting a long bow or a recurve, traditional bow, did you make the bow that you like shooting? Did you make the bow that was easiest to make? I mean, obviously, there's trial and error, but it's, it's a lot of trial and error. You you pick out a bow you like, and then you go from there and you make it to suit yourself. Okay, I made it to suit me. I prefer the long bow over a recurve. Uh, long bow is a little more challenging. Uh, I think a recurve may be a little more to master. Uh, it's just a little bit easier to shoot, in my opinion. A little more forgiving, you'd say? Yes, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I, and I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I don't even, I do still own some recurves, but I've switched over. If I'm going to grab a traditional bow, I grab a long bow as well. And uh, for me, it's, uh, <laughs> for me, honestly, it comes down to the ease of unstringing it. For me. And I know that sounds kind of simple, but it, it makes a difference the, to me. The modern material that goes into these bows now, you don't have to unstring them like you used to do the older bows. If you didn't unstring them, they would tend to break or warp or get a twisted limb. Uh, nowadays, unless if you keep them away from the heat, uh, it's not necessary to unstring them each time you're finished with them. Yeah, the heat just makes it what, delaminate? Is it that what you it to tends about? to make them delaminate the Years ago, the material wasn't as good. The glue wasn't wouldn't hold up. Okay. So, if you had to guess, how many bows have you made? 
A few dozen. A few, a few dozen. That's the close you're going to get, a few dozen. <laughs> I said yes, right? Um, so here's my next question for you. How did you get started with Michigan Bowhunters? Uh, I took a close look at the future of the archery world, and we need somebody out there to, uh, a front person, so to speak, to promote archery, uh, to keep it to keep it going for our kids, our future generation is our kids. And you have to support an organization that uh, caters to the bow hunters. I couldn't agree more, obviously. And you've definitely done that o- over the years, especially with your involvement in our home club, the Land O'Lakes Bowmen. The, yes. The number of youth archers that you've seen come through that place has to be... Um, we started the youth archer program with with uh, Mike Wither. Uh, at that point in time, we had three classes on Monday. Every Monday we had three classes, and they were booked up. And I was lucky to be a part of that to teach and pass on the knowledge that I have for uh, recurves, compounds. We had uh, a variety of bows, and I'm familiar with the working of all the bows. Yeah. So that that's over the years. It's got to be over a thousand kids by now. At least a thousand kids. It has to be because if you, if you figure, you know, fifty kids per session, you know, two to three sessions a year, you had three classes. On a Monday when we started, we had two two classes of forty, and one class of about thirty. That was strictly homeschoolers. So we're way over a thousand by now. So we're we're way over a thousand kids. And and that program to this day, still going strong. It's into the thousands. It's hard to keep up with. Uh, I couldn't even put a figure on how many that we put through the Lando Lakes Archer program. Yeah. So you talked about getting that hickory bow. Do you remember how old you were at that point? Fifteen or sixteen. Fifteen, yeah. So you about know, fifteen. That 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 age where you figure out what love is. Sometimes it's a, sometimes it's a girl. Sometimes it's a bow. <laughs> yeah. It with with the bow, you can have fun with a group, or you can have fun with your by yourself. You can you can. Well, we're talking about bows, not girls, right? Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> the uh, serenity of a of being in the woods with a bow is just it's you can't measure that. You really can't. You cannot measure that uh, satisfaction with walking in the woods, uh, observing everything out there, the creatures, and have a bow in your hand. So on last week's show, I interviewed Lydia Lucas, a friend of ours, and we came up with the phrase, or we, we agreed on the phrase, watching the woods wake up. There's just something magical about it. It's magic. It, it really is. You know, in, in people talk about, you know, finding finding themselves in church or finding themselves, you know, uh, I, I just think when you're 16 foot up in the air, you're a little bit closer to God than someone sitting in a pew. <laughs> and you really get to look over the creation. Whether you, you whether you have faith or you don't, it is magic. You, you can be in the woods and enjoy the nature with a bow in hand and your problems all go away. Yeah, you don't really. Th- it, it, you don't. You don't know the things that's on your mind. It's nothing but the woods and the and the nature around you. Right. So, 
we'll wrap up with this. You, you said you're not in business, right? You, you don't advertise. You're just making bows for friends now. But if someone wanted to reach out, someone that's listening that is a friend of yours wanted to reach out, are you still taking bow odors and selling bows? I would probably part with one of my personal collections. Okay. Uh, I'm not taking orders, but I do have some bows that I consider my personal bows that I usually part with from time to time. Yeah, okay. So if uh, any of you are listening to this and you know James well enough to feel comfortable enough to ask him for one of those bows, you know how to get a hold of him. And I, I'm not going to blast his phone number and all that out there, but uh, I want to thank you for sitting down to record with me. And uh, thanks for coming up to the rendezvous on this rainy day. You're very welcome. Well, the way I've been starting all these off is, I say I got a new victim. <laughs> but with me now is the uh, the one, the only uh, Mister MBH News Editor Extraordinaire, King of the Dark Continent. What are your other nicknames that I'm just making up and giving to you right now? Uh, you'd probably have to ask my wife. Those. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mister Dave. How's it going, sir? Good. How are you guys today? Hey, you know it's raining, so that's given me the pleasure of doing a lot of podcast interviews. Yes. And uh, hanging out here in the T building at the rendezvous where it's nice and dry, but I'd rather be out shooting. Yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, we love the outdoors, and Mother Nature is part of the outdoors. So, nothing we can do about that. But uh, basically, what I'd like you to do is um, introduce yourself a little bit. Not everyone might know uh, exactly who you are or what you do for us as the organization. Yeah. Uh, Dave, <clears throat> excuse me, Dave Wilkins. Um, I've been the editor of the MBH News for about I'm going on three years now. Um, so I was contacted by the old editor, and um, I've been I've done a lot of freelance writing in the past. Okay. And he knew of those freelance writings that I've done, and so he contacted me because he needed to step away to write on some books that he was working on, and. One thing led to another. I met with the board three years ago, and they decided to bring me on and see what I could do. So it's been, been three since. three years already? Yes. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it, but yes. So that would have been uh, Jerry Lambert that reached out to Correct. you, right? Right. Yes. Okay, because I know Neil was before him. And then they actually flirted with giving me that job between Jerry and Neil and at the time I was writing my books and everything, and I said, that's... Uh, too much for me to take on. So good on you, sir. I'm glad. It's it's a it's not an easy job, um, but I'm sure it's pretty. It's got to be pretty rewarding to you know have a new project every month and to see it come to fruition and show up in your uh, mailbox. So yeah, it it has been uh, I guess a labor of love. Um, I've been learning new things with the the program that I use to put the magazine together. Um, then each month, yeah, it's a little different. Uh, so, ah, it's been fun. What would you say are some of the struggles you have as the editor? I know the answer to this. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> the biggest thing is, is obviously MBH is a Michigan Michigan member only uh, organization and publication, and it's for the members. And we need members' contributions, Absolutely. stories, pictures. You name it, uh, I'll edit them. You don't have to worry about being a good writer or anything. Nope. I'll take care of that. Just get me your pictures and your stories 
uh, so we can put them in the magazine for every all the other members to see. Absolutely, content is king when it comes to you know podcasting or even uh, social media and especially the news uh, because you know that's my favorite part of the news is the stories. Like I know some people just read it for the legislative updates or to see what's going on in the different districts, but I love reading our members' stories. Right. I like to kind of give the analogy that uh, if you have a story that you would tell at the rendezvous when you're sitting around the campfire, that's a story that we want in the NBA. Not all campfire stories are news friendly. <laughs> I get that. But the majority of them could be made news friendly. You know, I heard four, maybe five or six stories last night just BSing around the campfire that I'm like, that would be a good article or that would be a good podcast episode. So for our, our members listening to this, they need to send that stuff into you. It's yes. make your job easier, but also it provides a better value to the rest of, you know, our members to get, you know, entertainment through reading. Right. Right. And like you said, sit, whether you're sitting around a campfire or reading it in a magazine or just telling a family member about a hunt that you did. It's that's what hunting and being in the outdoors is all about is re, being able to relive those memories. Uh, you know, whether it's looking at a deer head on the wall or whatever the case may be, you want, and you keep reliving when you tell that story, you're there reliving that hunt all over again. So we all want to, we all want to be part of that. And not only that, let's, let's go on the sentimental value because you know what? <laughs> I come from a hunting family. My grandfather, my uncle, all big hunters, right? I don't have, I don't know any of their hunting stories because they never wrote them down. They never shared, they might have shared them, but I was too young to remember them, you know? So do it for your family because I would absolutely love to pull out an old issue of MBH News and have something in there from one of my, you know, one of my family that's passed on, you know? So, you know, do it for the members, do it for your family, leave a legacy is what I'm trying to say. And uh, I know so much of my life is out and about, right? Is you know, as a writer, doing this podcast, the social media stuff. That my kids are going to have a plethora of information, you, know, <laughs> you know, all the books that I've written and stuff like that. So with me, you don't have to be that extreme, right? You know, I'm just saying, uh, share your stories with our members, you know, and and your pictures, and it can be as short. I mean, we actually we have length and stuff like that to, to worry about, but. Um, I'm going to put this out there for people that are listening. I am a writer. If you have a story and you're not a writer, call me. Tell me the story. I'll write it. We'll put your name on it and we'll make it for the news. We got to help our editor out. Right. You know, and, you know, if, if, if the barrier to entry for someone is actually doing the writing, we can take care of that. Right. Part. Yeah. That's what, that's what we do. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't, you know. <laughs> I don't ask my plumber to fix my car. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's exactly. not it's, it's not, you know, what I'm what I'm looking at. So um, you do a lot of uh, some other cool stuff in the outdoors world as far as um, hunting overseas and stuff. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I've got a booking agency, Drop Tine Outdoor Adventures, uh, that I started 25 years ago or so, maybe wow. even longer than that. Um that I run, I work with reputable outfitters all over the world. And, you know, a lot of guys, if they want to go out west or overseas on a hunt, they don't know where to start. Right. Um, I've already been there, done that, done all the homework. 
for reputable outfitters. And so I do that on the side and it's a great fun business. It's a lot of fun sending people on their first trip, whether it's Africa or out west chasing elk or whatever the case may be. But so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. If someone uh, wants to look that stuff, that kind of stuff up, do they start with like your website? Is that a good spot to go? Yeah, or? yeah. Uh, my website is huntdroptineoutdoors.com. Um, that'll give you the basics for all the hunts that are offered. Mm-hmm. Uh, rough prices on rough, uh, yeah, rough prices that are out there right now. Yeah, uh, those obviously have to be tweaked depending on the number of days, of animals, yeah. that type of stuff. Common sense. But it'll yeah. give you an idea as far as pricing goes, and then everything that I have to offer. So, so is there any hunts left in this world? I'm sure this is, you know, the. Uh, do you still have a bucket list hunt that you want to go on that you haven't gone on yet? Oh yeah, for sure. There's there's plenty. Okay, there's well, plenty. What would for, be the number one for you? For for me, I still got to get a moose. Okay, uh, and I don't want like Ontario or Newfoundland. I. You know, I want to do at least like British Columbia or the Yukon or something oh, like okay. that. Okay, a oh, big, 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 big moose. Yeah, yeah. So, so that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I, I've never been moose hunting, but I sure do enjoy eating them. Yeah. Anytime uh, someone says it, <laughs> that's like one of the best things right there. Yeah, they're so good. So, when was your last time you went to Africa? Uh, I just got back a month ago. Okay. Uh, I went for a month. I usually go for three weeks to a month at a time. And my daughter and I were back there for almost the full for the full month of May, um, and then so we've only been back here a month or five weeks or so. And now, were you outfitting out there, or were you out there hunting, or both? A little both, bit of both. Yeah. Okay. I went over with a couple of new uh, first timers that I had booked. A buddy of mine and his wife uh, had been bugging me for years, saying, "Hey, we got to do this. We got to do this." Right. Well, and then they were. They were actually dating at the time, and then they got married. So they're like, all right, we're going to do it. This is going to be our honeymoon trip. There you go. That's a good so, honeymoon. So uh, we flew over with them, hunted with them for 10 days, sent them home, and I stayed with another group that came in uh, of clients of mine for another 10 days and hunted with them. And so, But, yeah, I've got people over there, like, right now. Um, so the reputable outfitters that I send you to, they'll take care of you if I'm not, if I'm not in camp. So. So it, when I think about my bucket list, I've always been a caribou guy. I always wanted to shoot caribou. And now I know, like, I, I missed the window. I should have shot caribou like 15 years ago yeah. when it was a dirt cheap and you got two of them. And now that hunt has just gotten crazy, hasn't it? Well, caribou, obviously the place used to be Quebec. Right. And then I hunted caribou back in the early 90s with a good guy up there. Um, and then it was probably the late 90s early 2000s that they had a disease come through and pretty near rip rip uh, wipe out the whole herd and was it like an ehd type thing yeah something like that they got you know everything up there the caribou feed on lichen uh-huh. and the lichen got a disease oh. and as they would eat it then obviously they would ingest it um so they haven't hunted caribou in quebec now for oh boy 10 about 10 to 15 years it's been a while but yeah that was the place to go two caribou you're almost guaranteed type thing find the right migration wait for them to walk past you and uh so now about the only place left is newfoundland and newfoundland has really cut down on their tags um matter of fact most outfitters only get like maybe two tags a year oh man so newfoundland is really cut down uh so about the only place right now is uh you know alaska and And now you're talking buku bucks. Yeah, more so. than a more than a moose hunt. 
Not quite not that quite bad. That not bad. that bad. But yeah, they're they're still pretty pricey. So my next one would be a, a kudu. In Africa. In Africa. Yeah. 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 And I know you're gonna. No one goes to Africa <laughs> just to shoot a kudu. So I know you're gonna kill some <laughs> other stuff. But yeah, that would be. Yeah. I, I've always thought. Yeah. I, in my mind, I'd like I'd go to Africa and shoot a bunch of stuff. But the only thing I'd get mounted, like a full, it would be the kudu. Kudu. Yeah. They're beautiful animals, and that's kind of what represents africa makes sense is is a kudu the gray ghost um everybody that goes on safari they're like i want to i want a kudu i want a kudu mainly because that's like you said it's a it's a good size animal about size of our elk Mm -hmm. uh beautiful long spiral horns yeah um good eating iconic Uh, yeah let's talk about that for a minute as far (laughs) as eating how is the plains game to eat over there i mean yeah. obviously we know the africans eat them right yeah but you know you never hear about guys bringing much meat home you can't you can't no. no meat can be brought back to the states so it's strictly a trophy hunt for you know out of country people right um but you eat it while you're there yes. right oh yeah okay yeah. and and everything goes gets used over there right uh when you kill an animal nothing gets gutted in the field the whole animal gets brought back to camp hole okay and then they skin it gutted in camp and then uh, the black guys that do the skinning and the cutting up and everything, they take, I mean, the meat stays with camp. We, we keep the choice cuts, if you will, for camp meat, like you know, inner, the lo- inner loins <laughs> and back straps. <laughs> exactly. That's what we eat in camp. Uh, and then some of it is sold in the market because you can sell wild meat over there. Okay. So they sell some of it at market. Some of it is packaged and donated to the local schools over there. And then the workers will take some, but the workers take probably 50% of even what's in the guts. Wow. All the organs, obviously, liver, yeah. liver heart. Uh, they'll strip all the crap literally out of the intestines, and they use the the, 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 the casing of the, the intestine. So very little goes to waste. Wow. I, uh, I have a buddy, Jake Hacker, um, who, when he was 16, I believe this is the story, yeah, when he was 16, he wrote an essay for, it was a, it was a hunt magazine or something like that, right? Okay. And No, it was Safari Club International, is what it was. And he, it was like a competition, and he won a trip to Africa. Nice. And he got to kill a few animals or something like that. Well, he ended up not taking the trip until he was like nine. He won it when he was 16. He got to go basically when he was 19. Well, Jake had been working for a taxidermist here in the States since he was 12. You know, and so when he he got over, he's 19 years old. He gets over there, and uh, he's watching these guys skinning the animals, and he's pulling his hair out, going, "No, no, 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 no!" <laughs> like I'm the one that's got to stitch it back yeah. up. And yeah. he shows, you know, he's showing the pH, like you know, in these guys that are just looking at, it, like, who is this kid <laughs> talking to us? We we skin thousands of animals right. a year, but he's like, he had to show them from the taxidermist aspect of why, you know. Well, needless to say, he didn't come home from Africa. 19 years old, he goes, screw college, and he stayed on with that outfitter for okay. a couple years as a skinner and as, you know, the, the camp boy, you right, know, yeah. to, you know the, Very cool. to do all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, one of my best friends in the world. So um, he's got some crazy African stories about, you know, taking drums of skins and salt and fat out to the pits and oh, yeah. and, dealing. and I don't know exactly where he was at and, and everything but uh you know he uh he told me when he came home from Africa he went to police academy and we were officers together he's like uh 
I'll take the mean streets of America any day over some of the favelas and the slums and all the stuff that he had to go and you know and yeah. do dealing with. And uh, so he he's seen the dark side of the dark continent is what he was telling me. But uh, yeah. the reason I was gonna tell you is he did a lot of big cat hunting. Okay, he wasn't the hunter, but he right. would like he was the young guy, so he would climb up in the baobab trees and yeah. stuff like hang. Hang the, meat, the, the bait, the bait and, yeah. and all that, and uh, he had some close calls. And uh, have you uh, had any close calls with any of the big five? Actually, yeah. Um, I we've been charged by Cape Buffalo. Actual charged or bluff charged? Both. Both. They, okay. they bluff charged twice, and then on the third time they came. Jeez, old Pete. And we ran for the nearest trees and just climbed trees. Right. And, you know, waited till they dissipated. <laughs> Uh, uh, and then we've been charged by Rhino. Oh, really? Yeah. So, that they, so obviously, one of the big five you don't hear a lot about. Right, them, right. You know. Yeah. This happened to be in a, in a hunting area. You couldn't hunt them in that spot. But we had actually stopped for lunch in this open area, and we were just kind of milling around after we got done with lunch, walking around the area. And there was a mama and her little one off in the distance in this opening. So I had my daughter with me. So my daughter, the PH, and myself just walked towards this opening to check them out closer and get pictures and that yeah. type of stuff. And we didn't get too close. I mean, we only got to within maybe 150, 200 yards of them, not real close. But Mama didn't like that, and she came full bore. So I told my daughter that. I said, you take off for the tree line there. Right. And the PH went one direction, and I went the other to, you know, she can only chase one person, so hopefully it wasn't my daughter. So Jeez, oh, PH and I split in different directions, and she finally called that off after we got into the bush. Yeah, <laughs> he, so, Jake was telling me they uh, they darted an elephant um, for it had it had uh, something wrong. It had an infection. It had a bunch of pus coming out of it. A cut. Or, okay. They darted it for medical reasons. Right. But it, they darted it. The process of darting it was like hunting it. Oh yeah, you know? exactly. So they, <laughs> so they had a guy pay to come out yeah. and dart it. You right. know, and that was so. They, yeah, they, a, li- a licensed veterinarian is the only one that can do that. Yeah. So you got to hire the veterinarian okay. to come in. A lot of times, it could even be, you have to hire a chopper because you can only get it done by chopper oh, versus okay. on the ground. So. So they they darted it. As far as I know, no choppers were involved, but. Um, they did what they needed to do, cleaned up the abscess, the the and everything, and then that elephant. I think it's his story. I'm you know I'm paraphrasing it. I believe it was about 36 hours later. Tore apart their camp, which was like 16 miles away. It followed the jeep trail. It followed the road. It followed the tracks, and they know it was that one because they saw it and it had like the big you know yeah in. So there's that obviously, you know, an elephant never forgets. And, of course, you know, we, we do some personification with animals and some right. Disney stuff. But that one tracked his ass down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, they were trying to help it, and he yeah, didn't like it. exactly, and tore that up. So. Well, well, th- thanks for sitting yeah. down with me and yeah, no. talking about this. This won't be the last time I have you on the show, clearly, All right. of course. No but, um, yeah, so this episode is just uh, a bunch of different rendezvous people since uh, we're actually, it looks like it may have, Quit actual raining, just misting. And uh, the weatherman said 3 o'clock. It's 2.30. So now the rain stops. We can go shoot, but the meeting starts. There so you go. Yeah. Now we got to do our jobs, right? Yeah, exactly. Again, uh, thank you very much for all your hard work with MBH. 
as another content producer for the organization. <laughs> I know how much it goes into it, yeah. and uh, I will do my best to keep sending you bow hunting related information <laughs> and articles. So, all right, perfect. Sounds good. And all the members keep that in mind also. Yep. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Michigan Bowhunters podcast. Please make sure to visit our website at www.michiganbowhunters.com to learn about becoming a member of the Michigan Bowhunters Association. Bowhunters.